0: Section 5 of The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 6, March 1896. This is a Librevox recording. All Librevox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librevox.org. Recording by Julie Burks. The Black Cat, Volume 1, Number 6, March 1896. Section 5 Their Colonial Villa by charles barnard it is very inconvenient to be obliged to live in one place all the time if we had two houses we could spend part of the time in one and part of the time in the other young mrs arburton was one of those fortunate brides who were able to set up housekeeping immediately on the return from the wedding journey young mr arburton thought it best to build or buy a small house and to furnish and occupy it as soon as possible of course my love i see how important it is that the house should be close down by the river bank near your office so that you can come home to lunch and i do so enjoy seeing the steamboats pass on the river good idea i must be handy to business and at the same time you must see john that i've always lived at the court end of the town on the bluff overlooking the river and near the shops and the homes of the best people that's why i think it would be so nice if we could have two houses one down by the river near your office and one in town on the heights and near the churches and all the nice people we could live every other week in each house they were staying at her mother's on the heights pending the purchase or erection of the new house mrs arburton had advanced this happy thought of having two homes at the breakfast-table The idea pleased her mother greatly, and she remarked to her son-in-law that, in her opinion, it was an excellent arrangement. She would gladly live in the uptown house and take care of it while they were spending the week in the other house down by the river. "'My love, we must do it. We never need move anything, for you could keep a suit of clothes in each house. I'm sure I shall never be happy to live down on the riverside.' there's really nobody living there still i never never can be happy if you're not able to come home to lunch young mr arberton quite agreed with his wife and her mother it would be very desirable to live on the bluff 200 feet above the river and very desirable to live immediately below down by the boat landing and near the office it would be very convenient to live in two places at the same time how to do it was the problem Immediately after breakfast, young Mr. Arburton started off to business. To reach the lower level of the city where his office and his great lumber yard stood close by the river, and almost immediately under the lofty bluff on which the new or upper town was built, he was obliged to take a trolley car that slid swiftly down a long iron viaduct or inclined plain, there had been at one time before the days of the trolley a more direct but much slower method of reaching the lower town this was sort of a huge hoist or elevator upon which the horse-cars were slowly dragged up and down by means of a cable at present this route was seldom used as it was in the opinion of the general public altogether too dilatory transit business was quiet that day and mr r burton had ample opportunity to consider the problem of keeping house in two places at the same time. He felt sure he must gratify his wife's natural desire to live in town, and he was equally sure he must reside in the immediate neighborhood of his yard and its great interests. It was very like the ancient question as to what would happen if a body, moving with perfectly irresistible momentum, were to meet a perfectly immovable body. He returned home that night quite radiant, he had solved the question it is all right my love it can be done oh i felt sure you would see that my idea was admirable which house shall you build first the one on the heights or the one down by the river both can be built at the same time well of course dear you see the house up here on this fashionable quarter must be much larger and nicer than the house down by those horrid lumber yards i shan't mind if the lower house is a plain little box No one will ever call there, and any simple, inexpensive wooden cottage will answer. Besides, while we are staying down there, I shall not receive it all, and I shall have my cards marked with our uptown address. Very well, remarked Mr. Arburton. I'll see the architect. I dare say it can be fixed. Mrs. Arburton and her mother were delighted, and when Mr. Arburton suggested that he wished the new house— you mean the new houses, dear— we'll waive that it's only a detail our future domiciles are to be a surprise how lovely in you dear you mean you intend to build and furnish them complete without letting me see them that's about the idea leave it all to me then my love mother and i will visit aunt sarah in new york for a month mr arburton was hardly prepared for this to lose his young wife for two months was not a wholly pleasant prospect however he expressed himself as resigned for he would be very busy building and furnishing the new house you mean our new houses dear i declare it is an inspiration we can spend every other week in society and have the other week to rest in peace and be by ourselves quite out of the world the next day young mrs arburton and her mother started for new york and young mr arburton went to the office of the defunct horse railroad company to see about a house-lot, it being reported that they had real estate to sell, cheap. Thirty-two days later, young Mrs. Arburton and her mother returned. It was dark when they arrived, and of course they went at once to their former home. Naturally, the return of the young wife had a most happy effect upon the young husband. He was lively, was merry, and seemed to be immensely amused over the prospect of moving at once into the new house. "'Is it all done?' cried both ladies. "'And so soon!' "'Oh, it didn't take long to knock up a house in these days. "'We can move in to-night. "'Everything is ready for you. "'Which house shall we live in first? "'Take your choice. "'Then I'll spend the first week in the uptown house.' "'All right, I thought so. "'As soon as you have had supper, we'll go over there. Is it far from here? "'No, only a short walk. "'I thought you might like to be near your mother. "'My love, you are an angel!' This remark clearly indicated an unstable frame of mind, and further reports of the conversation may be cheerfully omitted. About nine o'clock the young couple started, satchels in hand, to take possession of their new home on the heights. Mrs. Arburton was charmed. It was just what she had wanted, a pretty two-story colonial villa at the end of a broad avenue and close to the edge of the bluff overlooking the river, The parlor was small but exquisite, the dining-room cozy, the kitchen perfection. Oh, and the view from the chamber window! Isn't it grand? Why, the house must be on the very edge of the bluff! My love, you have made me perfectly happy! It is such a pretty house, and right in the very best neighborhood. The next morning, immediately after breakfast, Mr. R. Burton remarked that he would come home to lunch oh no dear i wouldn't think of it it's too far to come up here just for lunch i'll put up a little basket for you it will not take me two minutes to run over here from the office i'll come home at noon this he said as they stood at the kitchen door what on earth are you talking about she would have said more but just at that moment her husband opened the back door and stepped out into the dusty road that led to his lumber yard Mrs. Arburton stood by the door, looking up and down the commonplace road, at the towering piles of lumber across the way, at the tall stacks of a passing steamboat just visible over the lumber heaps. She kissed her husband in a mechanical way, and then closed the door and went to her chamber and sat down by the window. Clearly this was the lower town. There had been some mistake. She finished her morning household duties and dressed to go out. Leaving the house by the most convenient way, she crossed the street and, turning back, looked at the house. It was a plain, three-story wooden house, and in every way suitable for such a commonplace business neighborhood. I must have been dreaming about that colonial villa. I'll go and call on mother. She took the trolley car up the great incline to the upper town and went to her mother's house. The moment she arrived, her mother began to ask her about the new house oh it's just a plain three-story wooden affair down by the lumber yard i thought that you were to occupy the uptown house first yes i thought so too but we stayed last night in the lower town promptly at noon just as the big whistle roared its hoarse summons to rest mrs arburton returned to her humble dwelling in the lower town lunch was served at once and then her husband returned to business leaving his wife alone in the new house she explored it thoroughly and felt sure that the parlour and dining-room were the same as she had dreamed about the night before at six o'clock mr arburton returned to dinner and after that he proposed that they make a few calls on friends in the upper town oh no not to-night it's too far and we shall be so late getting back again nonsense my dear put on your things and i'll be ready in two minutes Five minutes later, young Mrs. Arburton appeared arrayed in her best. I suppose the nearest way is to go out the back door. What's the use of a front door if we do not use it? said her husband. So saying, he opened the front door and led her out into the brilliantly lighted avenue in the upper town. Mrs. Arburton was perplexed. She took her husband's arm and walked on for a few steps in silence. Then she stopped and looked back at the house. It was the colonial villa of her dream was it a dream she wanted to ask questions but wisely said nothing the young couple spent the evening in calling and then returned to their home early the next morning mrs arburton drew up the curtains of her room and looked out there far below were the river and the lower town it was not a dream then for a week nothing in particular happened mrs arburton was entirely happy in her charming colonial villa "'Her mother called and admired everything. "'I suppose next week you will bury yourselves in the lower town. "'Of course, your other house cannot be equal to this lovely place. "'I don't know, I'm sure. I haven't seen it yet. "'Why, my child, you told me it was a plain three-story affair. "'You said you stayed there that first night. "'Did I? I must have been dreaming. "'The next morning young Mrs. Arburton began to wonder "'if her mind had given way.' She was awakened by the hoarse boom of the lumberyard whistle. She drew up her curtain and pulled it down again quickly. The street was full of teams. She pinched her arm. She looked at the mantel clock. No, she was awake. Being a wise woman, she said nothing, and after breakfast she bade her husband good-bye at the back door. "'I'll run over to lunch, dear.' "'Very well, Mr. Arburton.' He looked at her with a peculiar smile, "'What's the matter, love? Are you offended?' "'Oh, no, dear, I'm a little... a little confused, that's all. "'I'll go and call on Mother. I'll feel better for a walk.' "'Yes, do. Take the trolley back to town.' She did, and the moment she reached the broad avenues of the upper city, she left the car and stood irresolute on the sidewalk. "'Wish I had been more observing. Let me see. There was a row of trees on each side.' and the houses were all of milwaukee brick she wandered up and down several streets and avenues looking for the colonial villa it was so stupid of me not to know the street and number of our own house if i knew that i could ask a policeman i declare i was never so turned around in my life this looks like the neighborhood and yet She gave it up in despair, and took the trolley back to her home in the lower town. Then for several days nothing happened. Mrs. Arburton tried to be happy, and failed miserably. Her husband, of course, observed it, and said at the dinner-table, "'My love, I fear you are not enjoying being down here among these lumber-yards and shops. After dinner we'll go up-town.' She was delighted. When she reached the Heights, she would ask him to take her to the other house— Immediately after dinner, she went to her room to put on her hat. When she came down again, she found her husband calmly reading in the drawing-room. I thought we were going to the Heights, dear. He looked up in some surprise and, instead of replying, asked if she wished to go out. Yes, I do. I, I want to go to Mother's. Certainly, my love. I'll go with you. A moment later he was ready and calmly opened the front door and led her out into the broad, familiar avenue in the upper town she stood bewildered on the stoop and looked at the street at the lemon-colored houses opposite and at the colonial villa behind her what are you waiting for dear oh nothing i was just wondering where we live why how absent you are dear this is our uptown house it was all right the other house was the dream they spent a pleasant evening with her mother and then they returned home It was indeed all right and just as it should be. She had certainly eaten something that was not best for her, or she would not have dreamed three times about the house by the river. Under the assurance of a stable residence in one place, Mrs. Arburton's spirits rose, and her health visibly improved. She resolved never to mention her absurd dream about the other house. She felt sure that it had never been built, and yet—oh, she would not think about it any more— she would enjoy the happy present and her lovely colonial villa and the fashionable quarter of the town. Mr. Arburton never came home to lunch now. He started off very early every morning and was always late to dinner. It was not in young Mrs. Arburton's nature to ignore this long. "'My love,' she said one stormy night when he came home tired, cold, and hungry, "'my love,' if the other house is finished we might go there and stay till the stormy weather is over i miss you dreadfully at lunch and it's such a pity to let you travel so far in the rain all right my dear it would be better to go back again back again then it was not a dream the next morning young mrs arburton was convinced that her mind was entirely unhinged she did not dare to mention it to her husband She went about her morning duties mechanically. They were in the lower townhouse. She knew the smell of the lumber yards only too well. The thing was unbearable. She would settle the matter or perish in the attempt. The moment her husband had gone to his office, she put on her things, took the trolley, and went up to the heights. She found the avenue without the slightest difficulty. The colonial villa had totally disappeared. She asked a policeman if he had seen a white villa in the neighborhood. The man grinned broadly and said he guessed it was off-duty. She turned away indignant. What did the insolent creature mean? Nothing was to be gained by waiting there, and she took the trolley back home. On reaching the lower town, she lost her way for the first time in her life. She wandered past several lumber yards, looking for that three-story house, and could not find it once she felt sure she had reached the spot the house was not there thoroughly alarmed at what she regarded as her serious mental condition she went at once to her husband's office mr arburton is here no ma'am he started to go up to the heights on business and said he should stay to lunch at his house that explained everything the house by the lumber yards was simply a fancy of her disordered brain she would go at once to their villa home on the heights on arriving there she was not able to find it now thoroughly alarmed she decided to go to her mother's both her homes had disappeared perhaps for she put her hand to her fevered brow it was icy cold she trembled as if chilled with terror to think that beautiful home was all a wild fancy to think i've lost that dear homely lovely hideous house by the lumber yards i fairly loved it I'll never stir out of it again, not even to find that colonial villa, and my husband too. He may be a fancy, a mere phantom. She looked at her wedding ring. No, I suppose he is real. She stood silent and tearful, looking off over the vast prospect spread out below her. The avenue ended at the very edge of the bluff and gave a magnificent view over the river and valley below the very view she had dreamed she saw from that chamber window. Suddenly, a picturesque chimney appeared about the edge of the bluff. Then two pretty finials of wrought iron. Then a red roof appeared. Was she dreaming? Or? A number of people on the sidewalk stopped to view the remarkable spectacle. She heard a policeman remark aloud, The Quare House is going on duty again. The colonial village stood before her. The front door opened, and her husband appeared. Lunch is ready, love. Come in as soon as you can, as I want to move back to the lower town. My dear, am I crazy? Guess not. Where have you been all this time? But, love, she cried, is my mind unbalanced? Guess not. You seem reasonable. Is this our uptown house? Certainly, dear. Do come in to lunch. Then where is the other house? Right here. Do come into the house, dear. The elevator boy is in a hurry to move her back again, as he can't go to dinner till we are safe at the bottom of the hill. Young Mrs. Arburton entered her uptown house and closed the door. When in the privacy of her colonial dining room, she kissed her husband with enthusiasm. My love, it is distinctly great. How does it work? Touch the button in the kitchen once, and the elevator boy will move her up. "'Touch twice, and he will let her down again. "'You see, dear, I found it was not convenient "'to live in two houses at the same time, "'so I bought the old horse-car elevator "'and put a house in the car. "'But, my love, the colonial villa "'and the cheap three-story frame house! "'Oh, that's all right. "'The front is early colonial, "'the back is recent American, "'as befits the two landings on the elevator. "'Oh, how perfectly lovely!' when i don't want to be at home to the people in the heights i live below and when i'm tired of the lumberyard people i'll live at the top yes and when we don't want to see anybody we can stop her half come let's have lunch while she slides down end of section five end of the black cat volume one number six march eighteen ninety six